Hello, Lion Cook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lion Cook Thoughts Podcast. In this episode, I get to interview my friend Alexis Brown. Alexis is from South Haven, Michigan and graduated from the Culinary Institute of America in 2019. She currently works for Aramark as a food service manager in the higher education at Grand Valley State University. And the reason I wanted to have her on is, one, uh, I know Alexis from college and basically uh, she's been a supporter of mine since I started Line Cook Thoughts, uh, one of those people, once again, who was there from the beginning, really believed in it, really, um, just really, like, supportive, like, sharing the page, sharing the post when it was still very young, and so I wanted to have her on because not only, not only is she a supporter of that, uh, we worked on a community garden project together, which you may have heard me mention a couple times in prior podcasts, and I really think her role is interesting, you know, she's someone in the industry that isn't necessarily in uh, the fine dining sector of things and I think it's really cool to kind of see what uh, what other people are doing in the industry and I think her job is uh, pretty cool and you know we talk about it in here and we also talk about how we've been getting through the pandemic um, this is sort of a catching up for both of us and as I said on other podcasts if I'm going to have a conversation with a chef or a cook um, I'd love to kind of include you in on it so we kind of talk about how we've been dealing with the podcast and finally uh, we actually talk quite a bit about line cook thoughts and how it's evolved and how she helped support it in the beginning and kind of how we've seen it grow. And I guess I get to kind of share a little bit about uh, my vision for the page and why I love doing what I do so much. So it was definitely refreshing to have her kind of ask me some questions. Um, I, you know, I always find that interesting. So I wanted to thank her for coming on and I want to, you know, just say that I hope you all are doing okay. I hope everyone's well. And I just, you know, it's a tough time we're in right now, but I hope these are helping in some way. So, you know, I'll get to the episode now, but thank you all so much for tuning in, and here we go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Ray, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. I'm good. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Uh, If you just want to start out by introducing yourself, that would be great. Yeah, of course. So my name is Alexis Brown. Um, I am currently working at Grand Valley State University for a company called Aramark, and I'm a food service manager. Um, and I help take care of and train a lot of student workers and um, help our union full-time base execute thousands of meals a day for college kids. So it's kind of a, a unique job here in the food service industry. I think it's really something completely different than what we learned in school. So I enjoy it a lot, though. Awesome. That's good to hear. Uh, yeah, uh, just for, for some backstory, Alexis and I did meet at school. And, um, you know, uh, while I was at school... I helped start a community garden and Alexis was a part of that organization and that committee. And uh, so that's kind of how we met through that and other student government run functions. But um, yeah, I'm very excited to have you on and kind of chat. And if you just wanted to start out with where you're from and what food like was growing up for you, I think that'd be a good place to start. Yeah, of course. So I'm from South Haven, Michigan. So it's kind of like a little town on the lake, lake shore of um, Michigan on the west side. 
and it's really great being here. I feel like it's such a calm space and just a cool place to, you know, express yourself. And then I kind of started growing up and growing with food since I was little. My mom and I and my sisters would always make special things at Christmas. And that was kind of like my, it's my favorite holiday. So I think I really enjoy, you know, spending time with my family and cooking. It kind of brings us together. I mean, we just, before this podcast, we just sat down and had a home cooked meal of goulash. You know, we try to, you know, collectively come together all the time. And I think that's what really got me into going into school for it. And I think just when I was at the CIA, it was such a, a place where you were able to express your love for what you were going to do for the rest of your life. So it's very special being in that kind of atmosphere. And I think growing up with food really helped. I mean, mean, spending time in the summer, you know, cooking, I feel like I have a lot of food memories. That was something that we talked a lot about in school. And I really enjoyed, you know, writing about those kinds of things and, you know, tacking into those types of places in your brain where you're able to, you know, share something with other people. That's really a special experience. Yeah, I agree. Um, What were some food memories that you would write about during your time at school? I think I would often write about making like Christmas cookies or something where it was super special or one of my grandma's recipes. It was, um, I have a Dutch background, so we would make bonquettes and uh, they're kind of like an almond letter. So it's a really flaky pastry with a really like decadent almond center. And we would make those special cookies at Christmas time. And I think that's something that I can really like place in my heart is like a heritage moment, you know, something that might has been passed down for generations. And I think that's a really cool memory, but I also really like making just like homemade pizzas or something that's, you know, with your family, you know, just super simple where you're having fun. You can decorate the top however you want with whatever toppings and, you know, enjoy just a simple meal too. So I think those types of food memories really stick with me, but my parents always pushed us being outdoors and we had a garden at our parents' house and my dad would grow rhubarb and he had grapes and blackberries and we would pick them and I make pie or something. And I think that's also a really cool, you know, food memory, you know, so close to home for me as well. So I think Mm. that's really awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I also grew up with a small garden um, at my grandparents' house. Um, pretty much my whole family in Buffalo kind of lives within a 10-mile radius. But um, yeah, no, it's really interesting to kind of, you know, when you're growing up, you think of the garden and you had it. And well, I mean, for at least me, like it was always special. But I even more now looking back, I just was grateful for, you know, going out and seeing tomatoes develop on the vine or you know, watching my grandfather pick them and can them for the winter, you know, even though we really didn't need to, uh, living in a more modern time, it was really cool to see him kind of still carry those traditions even into his older age. Yeah, I agree. And we like make pickles every year, homemade pickles. I love bread and butter pickles. And it's really funny because my favorite part of the bread and butter pickle is actually the pickled onion in the jar. So, I mean, you know, it's okay. just some of those types of things that you're able to share with your family. And like you said, the garden, you know, being outside and having the chance to experience those types of things when you're young, really, I think influences who you grow up to be. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, it has a lasting impact that I don't think uh, you really notice until, you know, <laughs> like I said, until you're in the industry and you kind of look back at all the experiences you had. Um, when you were younger, was there, I mean, I know you kind of mentioned upon being around food all the time, that kind of growing into you having a love for it and wanting to get into the industry. Was there an exact moment where you remember being like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Yeah, I think when I was able to like experience some type of professional atmosphere when I was in high school, I thought that that was exactly what I wanted to do. I my senior year of high school, I did something that was called a work study. And so it was kind of like a continuing education program, similar to like a trade where you would go like a car um, or an automotive center and you would learn, you know, about cars and that kind of thing, or you would go for nursing. So I did the same thing, but I did it at a local bakery thing. And so I spent half of my school day in high school at during my senior year at a bakery cafe and I learned how to make lattes. I was like a professional barista, but I also made cookies and served tables. I mean, I feel like I got such a range of experiences from that. And that was just like, I think that year of me experiencing just a small portion of a small business in the industry was like ticking bomb for me to be like, I'm going to go to culinary school. And so I absolutely like, dove in. I visited so many different schools and the CIA was just like the facilities, education. I mean, just that ability that you were able to get a four-year degree even was something that just stuck with me. So that's, it was like a dream. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was cool. It's a really cool experience to be a part of. Um, Well, that's cool. I mean, I'm glad, you know, that you found the passion and you were able to you know, start to make a career out of it. And, you know, now looking at the industry, I mean, still, I, you know, it's tough right now, obviously, to look at everything and kind of see how everything's going. But there still is for me a passion of wanting to learn and wanting to grow. And um, I did want to check in and see how you were doing during this. I mean, for me personally, this has been a time to obviously podcast, kind of be a little bit more involved with um, the social media aspect of things. And also just a big learning period. I mean, I'm teaching myself guitar through an app. I'm reading a lot about wine lately and just reading more about like chef memoirs and chef related books. And I was just wondering how you were doing during this uh, pandemic and what you've been doing to kind of make it through the time period of it all. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I would say that on a day-to-day basis, my job personally is probably like a six, like a 60, 40, like 40% of it is like, paperwork or management aspects or cash handling or something that you know is not directly food related but the rest of my job I'm helping our full-time employees and students decide what kind of green pepper they're going to use or if they're going to use green peppers or red peppers for the omelet today and like you know just coaching them through moments and then now here and like I'm still working but I'm working from home and I just sit on a computer all day and it's really hard because I feel like a lot of the pleasurable portions of my job has just been, you know, like stripped away. And that is kind of hard to think about. I mean, it was it was very hard when we had that feeling that like the world was shutting down because you were seeing it like right in front of your eyes, like 
college students were just disappearing, you know what I mean, from the yeah. school. And, like, there was a point where we were the only location open. There's quite a few locations on the campus, and we were the only location open, and it was, like, a football player and five international students that couldn't go home that needed food every day. And so that was, like, it, it almost makes me tear up because it was just hard to watch. You know, so mm-hmm. I I kind of am happy that everybody got sent home now and you know i'm home with my family because it was very hard to go to work every day and just see just seeing everything deteriorate was so sad but yeah and it is hard to work from home i mean you know it's been so technology like i feel like being in the kitchen is not i mean it's technical but in so many other ways it's not like i don't feel like i'm super software based or you know like have a lot of um technological skills with like computers and electronics and that kind of stuff so I feel like that is something I have been learning a lot about I mean like I've downloaded so much stuff like on my computer that I would have never used just at work just to be able to do some of the other work we have to do I mean you know menu planning for the fall hopefully that kind of stuff planograms all very corporate but it you know when you're in the moment and you're with the students and with the employees it's not it doesn't feel that way but now that I'm mm-hmm. taking a step back, I'm working from home. It's very, very different. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. Um, and, you know, just thinking about like your work and, you know, it, there there's more than just, you know, the line cooks out there in terms of like people like in the kitchen all day, like people like you, like helping with students and, you know, the ability to not see them does impact your job and you're not able to go see them every day. Um, there's just a lot of factors in the food industry that I don't think of right away that there are being affected with situations like that. Like, uh, like Rachel, who I've had on the podcast before, you know, she helps out with schools in Brooklyn and she's like, much like you at home and she has to do, uh, stuff online to, you know, try to help them continue learning and educating them about food and whatnot. And it's the same thing, like, you know, it's just like, t- it's very tough to, um, to see for me, it's been very tough, obviously to see restaurants, uh, you know, not get a lot of support. And that's a topic we can get into a little bit later on. But more so, I think it's, or not more so, but I think it's equally tough. And something I think not a lot of people are realizing is that, you know, the, the other people in the food industry who have jobs that are kind of unique and that rely on either students or, you know, other places like shops and stores. So they're able to serve people. Like I think of like people in food courts and malls and stuff like all that stuff is just not open right now. And it's just like really, it's really eye opening to see how broader industry stretches. And it's also even more saddening when you kind of look at really the big picture of everything. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's really interesting too, because I'm not a teacher, but a lot of the students that I get that work at the location that I have to help train, I mean, some of them have never held a knife before. Like this is, or this is their first job ever. And they have to learn how to cook an omelet. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. the job that they get when we call it campus dining, their job in campus dining is, I mean, just useful based tools. They learn how to, you know, wash dishes. They learn how, I mean, you just very like accurate representation of things that you would have to do on your daily basis, you know, chicken. Like, I mean, you know, learn just basic stuff and just, reiterating food safety and hand washing I feel like you know it's kind of crazy to watch because I feel like in a corporate setting the standards are so set and clear I mean 
I know students that have never taken surf safe before, but know all of the basic food safety rules and they know how mm -hmm. to tempt food. And, you know, it's very cool to watch someone that may never be going into the food industry just excel so well. And, you know, it's kind of cool just watching like a biology major person or, I mean, you know, like I would have never, and you know, sometimes I forget there's other paths <laughs> in life other than <laughs> like the food industry, because we were so absorbed in it and the type of you know school that we went to. So it is really cool to see, you know, an international student cook American food, like mashed potatoes, you know, they're so fascinated. So I think, you know, having that educational portion is really interesting a part of my job you know it's so different i would have never imagined that this is what i would have been doing <laughs> <laughs> no but i'm sure it's pretty you know cool to kind of share knowledge and train people um yeah i mean i think that's a really cool experience to have uh want to get uh more so into i know so i know obviously you're a big proponent of working on the community garden when you were at school why was it so important for you to uh you know, work on a garden and be a part of that project that we had at school. Uh, I just think it would be interesting to kind of go deeper into that because like, you were really involved and I know it was really a big passion of yours. And I just wanted to know like why and, you know, how it went through that process. And I think it was kind of an escape actually, like it was from education and it was a chance for me to be outside. I feel like when we were at school, we were, you know, obviously studying a lot inside a lot. We took some really, really hard classes, some really, really easy classes, but it all has a building stress on you, especially when you're getting later and later into the program at the CIA. I feel like you just get, either get really burnt out or you really feel like you need to excel. And I think when I was getting involved in the garden, I had just dropped La Papio, which was the school newspaper. And I really, really liked doing the um, layout editing for it, but it just wasn't for me anymore. And I just wasn't feeling it. But mm. having an extracurricular at school, I think allows you to make friends and it allows you to, you know, find something that you're passionate about that on a smaller scale, you know, it kind of brings your focus down a funnel, you know, you're able to really enjoy something else with somebody else. So I thought it was yeah. kind of cool. And like, that's, I thought it was really nice that I was able to get close to you and Menica and Dominique Ingram, one of my other close friends from culinary science, you know, we were, we would just weed the garden or hold the garden or do, you know, something. It was just a chance for us to all have fun and like escape. It was really cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and for everyone listening, so basically, we, like I said earlier, we went to the Culinary Institute of America, and uh, while we were there, um, so they basically had a garden, but it was kind of for classes only, and so we were part of, like I said, this project that had this community garden. Uh, Cole Bailey, who's been on the podcast before, was a big part of it. My girlfriend was a part of it. Alexis was a big part of it. Rebecca Cho, Dylan Leary. I mean, so many different people were a part of this uh, project, and it was a student-run community garden, which is still there. Um hopefully still being tended to during all of this. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool. And I thought what I learned from that experience was uh, how passionate cooks can be about something that isn't food. I mean, it obviously was food related, but it wasn't in the kitchen. But it showed that for me, I've, honestly, and what I think reflecting back on it, it showed that this next generation of cooks, you know, is really going to be interested in where our food comes from and where 
how we, you know, source our food and even more so the respect you can have for a farmer. Um, I think, you know, throughout all this, I'm really excited to see a lot of articles where we're talking about farmers and how this impacts their business and how a lot of food is going to waste because I feel like a lot of times farmers aren't really taken into account by the general public and the fact that they're even getting some light, even though it's not good news, I think it does help educate people in terms of the whole food system. And I know that's something you're passionate about. And I'm just wondering your thoughts on, um, basically your thoughts on like, you know, everything that's going on in regard to farming. I mean, obviously this is good that people are starting to realize that it takes more than just food coming out of a kitchen window, but I mean, are you worried at all that due to this, we're going to have a lack of diverse ingredients uh, after this is all said and done? Yeah, I think I'm really concerned for places that may not grow the staples or places that have a wide variety of products or small greenhouses or other areas that are, you know, providing local um influence to local places because i mean here in south haven a lot of the restaurants i mean i can't say that they're super local but i feel like a lot of them definitely try to like make sure that they're getting things that are in season or they're getting things that are from michigan or they're you know what i mean and i feel like that is the level of impact that will be seen because i I mean, at my job, I order stuff from Gordon Foods. Gordon Foods is able to source stuff from almost all over the country. So I feel like on that level, a lot of it won't be impacted. I mean, it's impacted in a certain way and it's impacted now, but I feel like it's not going to be the big guys. You know what I mean? It's going to be, it's going to trickle down that pain of such a small level that, you know, people that are trying to get... microgreens or things from like a mushroom house that's the the level that will you know get affected by some of this stuff or just you know michigan dairy or you know you mean something where we're you know not able to support smaller fractions of that part of the business is what really gonna take a toll i think it is kind of concerning but like the more i think about it you know it's not that I tap into like a paranoia, but it's, it is something that, you know, like it sits in the back of your mind, like the impact that this is going to have for a long, long time, especially just on our industry. You know, it's, it's very hard to think into the future for it. Yeah. I mean, um, I was reading today, I've been reading Life on the Line by Grant Ackett's. Uh, I know I'm kind of behind on reading it, but, um, no, I was, there was this one part where, um, he was basically talking about how he was when he was starting uh, at Trio, I believe he was, you know, getting a farmer to grow local produce for him. And, you know, if he wanted something to be grown, especially for a certain part of the menu, she would do it for him. And I worry that, like like you said, like those small farms that have been focused on specialty farming are going to, um, you, know, not, you know, not be able to do that as much. I feel like this I'm I. Not that I feel like I'm worried, but I, I'm very optimistic that we'll somehow bounce back. But I'm also very worried that the that dining over the next couple of years is going to kind of go away from a lot of the small, different 
uh, ingredients or techniques that we've been accustomed to eating and finding in restaurants. And, you know, it's worrisome. It definitely is worrisome. And I mean, at the end of the day, we can only do so much against the pandemic. And it really isn't, you know, it's not not in any restaurant tour or any chef to feel like it's their fault for going away from that or any farmer. But it is worrisome to me because, I don't know, I felt like over the last however many years, 30 years, we've built this great food, uh, I guess, identity uh, with all the chefs in our uh, nation and around the world. And I don't know, right? I don't know, I'm, I am really worried about it. And like today, like just hit me, like just thinking about going back to out, out to eat, like how different that's going to look and how different it's going to feel. And, you know, it's, you know, there's a certain warmth you get from going to a restaurant and sitting down with your friends. And, you know, it's just really, for me, it's really worrisome to not really have that outlet, at least for the next couple of months, or that it's going to be changed in some way. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it is hard to look at because, I mean, being in such a large corporation, you know, we get so much stuff from the top down. We have so many resources and storage and maintenance and contractors and people that we can hire, you know, sanitation is not a problem. We have policies to put in place and we can get more equipment. We have the money to back it up. You know, I mean, there's just so much that, you know, a college or a bigger business can do to put stuff into place. But like one of my favorite restaurants, you know, in Thogata, which is, um, you know, about 20 miles from where we live in South Haven, that's like, you know, like, where are they going to be able to get the resources to possibly, you know, back up the type of policies and procedures and cleaning habits or, you know what I mean, just things that you usually wouldn't think about um, mm-hmm. that isn't like a corporate level. But I still always go back. I can't remember who said it in school. Maybe it was um, Jeff Kaywork or somebody like that. But they're like, you know, it's going to be a place like McDonald's that's going to always survive. They'll serve one billion people every day and not one of them will get sick. You know what I mean? So it's, it's things like that. that I think it's so it's so hard to think about how you know, the smaller restaurants will be affected in this. You can't, there's so many ways it could go at this point, but I think, you know, thinking about types of resources that they're going to be able to have and the the funds that are going to be able to back those types of things up, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how the restaurant industry changes, you know, in the next couple of months. I think it'll be quite, quite different, I think. <laughs> I think it'll be very different. No, yeah. Yeah. And well, I guess what I'm trying to say is there are so many employees, so many workers who do rely on those jobs that now don't have a job at all. And, you know, I want, I just want everyone listening to also recognize the fact that there are millions and millions of workers for a place like McDonald's who are out of work and who are struggling to support their families. And I don't know, I feel like a lot of times in our um, industry, those cooks get forgotten about a lot. You know, the people who work at um, a McDonald's or a Wendy's and you know it's it's tough to see every cook out of work uh, and yeah I just I know we've talked about job loss but I just I guess want to share the sentiment that it doesn't it really matter where you're from if a cook has lost a job it does uh, mean a lot to that person and it really does suck seeing so many out of work and like you said I mean I just I don't know how this is gonna look after this is all said and done but I do hope that you know, everyone who has out of work and who has lost a job does find a way to get back in because I know a lot of people 
love working with food and they love being in this industry. And it's just, it's tough to see right now. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really just speaking on job loss. I mean, it's really, I, it, it is hard kind of being on the management side of things because when you're the one that's calling somebody, oh, I feel teary. It's so sad. I mean, when you're the one that's calling somebody, telling them that they don't have a job anymore, it, it hurts. So, I mean, you know, like reading all the articles about how people said their bosses did it so heartless or, you know, they just got an email or, you know, it wasn't personal. And it's like being on the flip side of it is they, they do feel something, I can, I can assure you, because it was it was very hard to make. Just in my building, we had to make 25 phone calls and then I had to email 100 students, you know, so it, it is very sad, you know. And, you know, like yeah. you said, just looking at it in the future, what it's going to be is so, it's so unknowing. But I think, I think we'll, we'll get there eventually. I think people will, you know, I think it's something that we can definitely take as a collective action as an industry. It's something that has affected almost every single person in the industry. So, I mean, no matter how far, how high, how fine dining, how not, you know, it's, I feel like it's definitely taking a toll for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And yeah. Um, but I guess moving into, um, I, I guess I, you know, do want to have some positives, I guess, or, or not positives, but I guess some hope in terms of conversation. Um, what, like, I guess if, when we're all said and done with this, what would you like to see out of the industry? Um, when we open back up, like what, if there is like, is there anything that you, think now we have a good chance of like looking at and kind of fixing in our industry are there any issues you kind of foresaw that we might you know be able to execute on now that you know we've had time to think and kind of go over what our next steps are as an industry of food yeah i think definitely now is a time where you can perfect where you can i mean my director and i and the chef manager we are taking this time to really perfect our fall menu, you know, do things that we haven't been able to do in the past. I mean, we're hoping and planning on doing more specialty meals, more specialty menu items, you know, things that a college wouldn't seem like it would have. We don't want it to seem like college food. We want to have, you know, special okay bowls and do, you know, really cool, you know, limited time offers and that kind of thing. I mean, I feel like we're taking the time to really perfect the cycle, really perfect the programs that we use. And I think everybody in the industry should take the time to perfect something that they think would help them come back better, stronger. You know what I mean? Like something that's going to keep them motivated to make it just amazing. Like, is that something that they do with their dining room? Is it something that you do with your knife cuts, with your sauce recipe? I mean, are you going to make a perfect tea gâteau? Are you going to make the best chocolate chip cookie of your life? You know, like, I think taking the time to just, like, focus is something that we can, like, step back from. Because I feel like, especially more so in, like, a restaurant industry, it's always so go, go, go. And, like, you never take the time to step back and get a broader picture. So I think that is mm-hmm. something that the industry can definitely do. Yeah, and I think we... I think the biggest thing I want to focus on is the idea of every cook being represented or 
you know, having more of a focus on, um, you know, a positive mental health health state or, you know, what I guess what we value as an industry, uh, it, you know, a couple of guests on this podcast have shared with me since it started that, you know, this industry is one that, you know, while it is always evolving, um, can be tough, like very tough on people. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very hard industry to kind of keep being sustainable in or to lead a very sustainable lifestyle in terms of taking care of yourself and, you know, going to the doctor once in a while and taking care of bills and being with family. And I really hope that during this time, we do realize that, you know, there needs to be some time for that. There needs to be some time for people to take off of work and take a break and, you know, recover, rest and come back better because I don't know. I just, I feel like there's, I feel like it's been a problem that we just haven't talked about or we've talked about, but we haven't really acted on. And I really hope that we see that change uh, in the coming months once everything's back up. Now I know when chefs open up their restaurants and whatnot, it's going to be full force to get back open and stuff. And I don't uh, see it right away happening, but I do hope over this time we're able to reflect and kind of carry it so that in a couple of years when hopefully things are back to normal, we can start to see a change in terms of the sustainable lifestyle of a cook. Yeah, I think it's definitely something to look forward to. And I feel like when I got my job that I currently have now, I thought I was like, wow, this is like way different. It seems so much slower pace, but it really isn't. You know what I mean? Like it is, but it's not like I have, you know, days where I am working 12 hours and I do still work weekends and you have to be responsible for others. And I think that is a different kind of pressure and it definitely takes a toll on someone who's only 23, you know? So it's, you know, sometimes I feel like I do need to still reel back, reel it in and like relax, you know, like make sure that I am making time for myself and what I should be doing. I feel like you still get lost no matter where you are in the industry. You always have something to worry about. So it definitely is like, a time that I am, I am hope, staying home with my family. It's safe and it's, you know, a good place to be. And it feels good to, you know, like sit down at 7 p.m. and the podcast with Ray or, you know, like watch a TV show that I wanted to catch up on, you know, stuff like that. It, like, you never would have thought that, that this would be the reason that you would finish vikings from history channel or something you know like (laughs) it is a time that we can take for people as you know as a as a being for us to just slow down for sure i feel like the world itself was getting very very fast paced no matter where you were so i think it is a time that we can use to definitely reflect and definitely look forward to something yeah, that's a good perspective on it. I hadn't really seen it like that. Uh, what you just said about the world getting faster and faster and us needing some time to focus and take a break, I guess. Not take a break willingly, but take a break nonetheless and kind of reassess everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to stay positive through it, trying to see it as a moment like that, you know, trying not to dwell too much on the negatives because there is a lot of it out there. I really do hope that I can be optimistic through the whole thing and then, you know, hopefully it all turns out good in the end. But uh, yeah, I mean, so in regards to everything else going on, I mean, is there anything else that you've like found during this time or like, I mean, any new podcast or books or um, I guess I know you were talking about painting um, 
your room yesterday? I mean, how has it been in terms of finding other things to do besides cooking? Yeah, so I've, I actually recently moved. And so um, my parents and I have been painting. I actually painted some more today and that was really fun. I mean, I picked out a paint and it was kind of like, uh, it was funny because we had to pick it up. It was like take out paint. It's like that. So we had to, you know, pay online and they, we went, walked in and picked up our, our paint left. You know, it was kind of an interesting how people are coming up with so many new systems to get through this time. So we did take out paint and my paint color is gardenia and gardenias are one of my favorite flowers. So I think it's, you know, finding joy and something so simple. And so it's a really pretty off white that I'm painting my new apartment. And, uh, you know, it's something that I can keep, you know, working on and taking the time to do it right and, you know, sanding all the dents and filling the holes and, you know, making sure it's something that I will enjoy. And I think, you know, finding something else to do is really, really good. I, I've actually picked up meditating again. Jerry Fischetti, one of our professors, was a, a meditator every single day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> him and I've I've picked that up. I've been, you know, making sure that I turn on my meditation radio and set it for a sleep timer and I feel like it's really relaxing. So I've picked that up again. And I've been reading a lot of articles. And I think reading it I mean reading about the pandemic. I, I've been reading the New York Times a lot. I'm, sub I'm a, su a subscriber to it. So um I think reading it is a, a way easier way to absorb the information that is getting pushed every day. And so I like to read their weekly weekly briefs and their um, weekend update, which is kind of interesting. And a lot of a lot of the articles aren't negative. They do, they yeah. do include a lot of positive articles and every single day in one of their briefs they always include what somebody is doing, you know, through the time. And I think that's something that I really enjoy. I like reading and I've been making cookies. So I've been making cookies nice. like almost every other day because my family and I, we just eat cookies. We love them. So <laughs> I think <laughs> that's really, really fun too. So, you know, I just think taking, like I said, taking a step back and like slowing down, definitely focusing on a few things and then focusing on work, you know, trying to also incorporate that into my life, you know, working from home like so many other Americans that may be doing right now is such a huge change. I mean, you know, instead of driving away from it, you just walk down the stairs. So trying to escape that is definitely hard as well. So making sure that I, you know, turn off my computer every day when I'm done working and that kind of thing, not so I don't go back to it. So I'm not thinking about it, you know, stuff to keep yeah. me busy for sure. Awesome. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that this time, like you said, you spend, you know, really doing what, whatever it is you need to do to kind of reset and stay on a good level space. And so I'm glad to hear that you are keeping yourself busy. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anything that you kind of wanted to discuss? I mean, I, my questions, I guess, have been answered from you. Was there anything in particular that you felt like we should go over uh, on the podcast or? like what it what it, you said you've been playing guitar so i think you know what what type of things have you been doing that's new what haven't you mentioned i mean you know is there something that you've done to be able to slow your your pace 
I mean, you know, have you done family time? Are you getting seedlings ready for a garden? Now's the time to plant, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I think, you know, what haven't your listeners heard about Ray? Um, well, I'm, I am with uh, my girlfriend right now. So I, you know, spending time with her. Um, I'm not able to go back home right now. Uh, just partly just because I don't want to travel and, you know, I, so when I grew up, we ended up having to move in with my grandparents uh, due to my grandfather becoming ill. And so back home, it is my mother, father, sister, aunt, and grandmother um, all in one house. And I would feel off, I guess, to go home right now during all this and risk them getting sick. So I have been here. Um, and I mean, I kind of had a routine of things I would do um, in terms of like my time away from work. And so I think just uh, emphasizing all those things. So basically I tried to, cause I, I try to write a page a day um, in like this chef journal or book or whatever it is that I spend time writing in. Um, like I said, learning to play guitar, I usually spend an hour a day doing that. Um, trying to just read as many books as possible, um, which has been really fun. Uh, just, uh, you know, the books I read vary. Um, just depending on what I feel like. Uh, I just finished a book called Originals by Adam Grant. He's someone who kind of looks at organizations and tries to understand how we can make them better. So if you ever read something similar to like Malcolm Gladwell, where he uses um, examples in the real life to kind of prove his points, uh, it's a book like that. And this one was really about how uh, we as a collective often, uh, you know, take away from originality just because of fear of uh, talking out or looking like we're you know, not a part of the status quo. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then I'm also just reading a lot. I'm re- actually just reading our wine textbook and taking notes because wine is something I've always been fascinated in, but it's never, I've never had the time to really delve deeper into it. And the three weeks in college was not enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, just doing that, I've been cooking a lot, nothing really crazy, just pasta. Um, that's something I really like to do. Exercise a couple times, not going to lie should be exercising more, but you know, um, I think I made pasta more than I've exercised. So I guess that kind of describes my, uh, activeness right now in terms of physical fitness. But, uh, yeah, it's been kind of how I've been spending my time. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I should be exercising way more than I am. I've been, I was trying to walk every day before I worked, but I feel like I've been sleeping a lot more. So I, you know, I have to get back into a routine, you know, set my alarm, you know, do those types of things to make sure that I, you know, I feel like falling out of a routine right now would be probably the hardest and maybe the worst thing to do, Mm -hmm. which is so bad to say, you know, like I feel like staying in a routine or something that you're used to can keep a normalcy to what's going on. Um, so I should get back into that. I definitely agree. I I feel like I have been drinking a lot of wine lately. My parents kind of have a pretty good stash here at the house. So <laughs> nice. I know it's kind of funny. My dad's kind of not really a wine connoisseur. He, I feel like he knows about some of it. And I drink a lot with him. And my mom has a collection of like dessert wines and ice wines. And, you know, we make a sangria here, you know, on the weekend or something but I feel like I've gotten into making cocktails once in a while my sister and I had whiskey sours the other day and that was really fun you know the foamy top from the egg white and you know just like something with simplicity you know just bourbon from the cupboard my dad was never gonna drink and having a lemon (laughs) and ice cubes around 
made something really special. So that was kind of fun to be able to, you know, tap into something that I haven't done in a while, you know, making a cocktail or, you know, tasting some wine. So I, I definitely feel you there just doing something simple and relaxing. Yeah. I mean, that's really pretty much, I, I, I mean, I don't want to say I've just been like relaxing because I do think I've been somewhat productive. I, I I do feel relaxed more than ever than the last couple of years. But um, I think another big thing that I've been able to do is engage more on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, trying to just build out more of uh, the community of Line Cook Thoughts. I mean, that's been a big thing for me during this time is trying to connect with as many people, get as much uh, different insight into how everyone's doing and trying to you know, talk with people like you and others in the industry and put out content so that, you know, when cooks are home, they can have at least something to, to hopefully remind them of the industry in some way. So, I mean, that's been a really big part of my time is honestly just sitting on Instagram or Facebook and trying to just, you know, record, uh, or just kind of collect everyone's viewpoints and respond and try to connect with many people. And I've had a lot of great conversations and, I've met a lot of cool people this past two weeks on online that I wouldn't have if this wasn't happening. Yeah, no, I, I remember when you told me, you're like, I think I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> you know, like, I, I was like, you should do it. You know, like, I just, I can't, re- you know, it was so, like, you. I think it definitely suits you to be able to reach out to people. And, like, I feel like you're the type of person and personality that people you you can talk to anyone. And I think that's a very unique quality to be able to have. I feel like not everyone in this world has the ability to, you know, see where somebody is coming from, no matter who they are, what they are, where they're doing, what they're doing, you know, like it just, you definitely have the ability to be able to reach out and just tap into so many different lifestyles and humans. It's very cool. So when, like they asked me if you have a podcast like so so long ago it was like one of the first or second or few episodes and I like I don't even remember what happened like busy you know like yeah life was busy and yeah I was really like like I should reach out to Ray like I should be on the podcast like that sounds like so so like fun you know like something to definitely like touch base and like and like you know see what's going on in the world you know it's definitely good to have conversation for sure yeah well thank you for that and I mean you know I think at the end of the day that's been my biggest thing is trying to create a platform where a variety of people can come on and kind of give their different opinions and I try you know I I try to just like for me like I don't really for me, being a podcaster means that I initiate conversation with someone and I let them tell their story. And I know there's different ways to podcast and um, there's different ways to kind of, you know, go about, I guess, getting entertainment. But I never really want to, like, ever put anyone in a position where I don't totally agree with them. You know, like I really, really do try, like you said, to get in someone else's shoes and kind of understand where they're coming from and why they have these viewpoints. And, um, yeah, I just think that uh, when you... Uh, do have conversation. Yeah, I think it's, it's just beneficial and allows you to. Are you able oh, to hear me now? Yeah, I noticed it went out. No, you're good. Yeah, I did. I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. That happens sometimes. Um, no, I was just saying, like, when you have conversation and you're able to kind of take a step back and see what other people are feeling and, you know, kind of understand where they've came from, you're able to, I think, 
have a better appreciation for the industry. So more than anything, I just, it's just more selfish for me to kind of appreciate the industry more because I've been able to talk to so many different people and kind of understand. And I think a big thing for this podcast is I really try to keep um, like the guests very like diverse in terms of experience in the industry. You know, I think it's just as interesting to talk to someone who's fresh out of culinary school as much as it is interesting for someone who's running a restaurant empire to even someone who's had a great career in restaurants and just wants to share some knowledge. You know, I really do think that every cook does have a story to tell. And I wish there were more people out there doing podcasts in terms of cooks telling their stories and talking to other cooks. You know, I don't ever want to feel like Line Cook Thoughts is the only, I mean, it's not the only cook focused podcast, but there aren't that many out there. And so I think what I hope to show other people in our industry is that you know, it's something that can be done and it's something that hopefully can be interesting for at least a small group of people. And, you know, I think that's the biggest reason why I've done it. And yeah, I mean, it's people like you who supported it from the beginning that really helped me kind of get the confidence. You know, I, I remember when I made the page and I made the Instagram, I did, I like hid that I was running it for a while because I was embarrassed by it because it was something I enjoyed, but I never thought I'd be like on social media or running anything that had like followers or listeners and whatnot. And yeah, it's been like people like you who have really helped me get the confidence to branch out and try to achieve new things. So yeah, I mean, just thanks for the support over the last you know year and a half. Yeah, I know. And I think it, it definitely is something that it totally suits you. It, it's something that you can do in your time to um, really focus on us as humans who have such a broad range of knowledge and talent in so many areas of the world, in so many different ways of the world. I mean, you know, just from local businesses to sourcing companies, procurement, you know, I mean, everybody, everything is food related. Farmers, you know, people that grow our food, that eat our food, it's, it's all a huge connection. So I think it, you know, even just reaching for even a broader range of listeners, you know, people that might not even be a line cook, people that might you know, just be someone who knows someone that works in a kitchen or someone who just eats at a really good restaurant that wants to listen to this is always going to be there for you because I think it's such a unique way to express the industry for sure. It's very, very, very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, I mean, I, I love it. And I, you know, it, while it is Line Cook Thoughts and, you know, it is always going to be focused uh, as a cook's podcast, like you said, like, I, I will talk to anyone in the industry, really, between someone who studies wine to someone who's a critic in a you know newspaper. Like I just think I think the whole picture is much more interesting than one uh, facet of the industry. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just been it's been really cool. It's been a lot of fun, and you know, it's kind of crazy to think that we're coming near a hundred episodes of this thing because you know, it, like you said, it is it is something I spend my time on, and it's a lot of effort put into it, and a lot of care put into it, and you know, I, I obviously like love this thing and I put a lot more time into it than I probably realized, but it has been a really rewarding project. Um, and it, I think it's been the most rewarding is because I think when you get in this industry, there's, uh, this idea that, you know, you have to put in your dues or you have to spend a lot of time, you know, grinding and not working in the best of conditions in order to be something or make a name for yourself. And I really disagree with that. Uh, mindset. I really do think that once you're in this industry and you're caring for others and you're putting food on the table, you are a part of the industry and you do have um, some sort of relevance and you do have some sort of story to tell. I mean, you know, more often than not, 
if you're in this industry, you've probably found yourself in some pretty cool situations that would lead to a good conversation. And so, yeah, like you said, more so than I guess me talking and me trying to get to know people, I, like I said, just really want to emphasize that, you know, and I know you realize this, that cooks do have a lot more to say and they offer so much to our society. And, um, you know, and I think that's why what's going on right now is hurtful in a sense, but it's also trying to, it's really made me inspired to keep doing this even more because, you know, we're a group of people that is a lot of times misunderstood. And I think not saying I understand us all completely, but I would hope that after doing this for quite some time, I'm able to kind of help us in some way have a voice or try to voice the concerns of the people who go in every day to cook for others. Yeah. And I definitely think that, um, you know, the industry is where we're so giving, you know, as a just the industry as a whole, you know, we're there to literally take care of people, you know, in a certain sense. So I think, it, it definitely comes down to the fact that we are all, you know, there's, there's an area of us in a, you know, like in our souls, it comes from, you know, a sense to give. And I think, you know, the people that are all in this industry, they all really, you know, like you said, are probably hurt by this and the fact that this is happening, you know, the pandemic and everything. And I think that people and the industry should be able to come together. And this is one of those platforms that really highlight the way to do it. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, of course. yeah. I mean, and thanks for kind of chatting through that. I mean, I've shared a couple times, sorry, my voice, my throat's like getting dry now. I've shared a couple times, um, you know, why I love doing this and whatnot, but, um, no, it's, I guess it was just kind of nice to talk with someone kind of the why even more, because I don't know. I think, uh, like I said, I just think a lot more people have stories to tell. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this has been almost an hour. Um, and yeah, I've had a ton of fun talking. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you've been a supporter since the very beginning of the podcast, as you've, you know, as I said, and as you know, but um, now that you've actually been on the podcast, what does it mean for you to be a part of the Line Cook Nation, someone or a group of cooks or chefs or anyone related in the food industry who wants to grow and learn with each other and trying to connect through food in a deeper way. I definitely think that being able to talk and express my feelings, especially about the certain time that we're in, but also reflect on many of the experiences that I've had, you know, with somebody else that maybe I haven't shared, like shared in a long time is, is a good way to communicate. And I definitely feel appreciated that I was able to be on your podcast, like just knowing about it for so long, you know, it feels like, I see all your posts. I try to like them all too, you know, like just <laughs> supporting you in a certain way. And even if it's being on the podcast to support you in a certain way is just, you know, I feel like reaching out as a friend and making sure that you reach out to who your friends are just on a, you know, a regular basis. And everybody that's listening is a good way to make sure that you're, you know, talking and connecting with the people that you haven't in a really long time, you know? <laughs> I see your friend that's always there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm glad we got to connect and, you know, obviously keep reaching out and stay strong dur during this. But uh, yeah, like I said, thank you for coming on. It means a ton. And just thanks for the support, you know, so far. And I hope this gets big enough one day where, you know, we can look back on it and be like, wow, you know, 
I don't ever think this is just me. I think it's every single person who follows, likes, uh, subscribes to the podcast, listens to the shows. It's everyone, really. It's a project where a lot of people are involved, even though I kind of spearhead it. There's so much more to it. And so, yeah, I just hope it gets big enough to let people notice that we are trying to build a community like this. So, yeah, thank you so much, Alexis, for coming on. If you want to drop your social media handles or anything, now would be the time. And, yeah. No, no. Um, thank you, Ray. I I don't really have anything on my social media that, <laughs> that really is all out of relevance to the Line Cook Nation. But it's um Alexis A Brown with an underscore. But thank you so much, Ray, for having a chat with me. It was really fun uh, to experience being on the other side of the podcast and not being a listener. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you for coming on, and we'll talk soon. Goodbye. Okay,